When God's absolutes, when God's words have complete preeminence in my heart, then everything is beautiful, especially the ugly circumstances. We are approaching very dark times, but I must remind myself that the best friend of the candle is extreme darkness. The darker it gets, the brighter the candle shines. Jesus said of the redeemed in Matthew 5:14, "Ye are the light of the world." The redeemed do not fear the darkness. Romans 8:28 is true, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The born again, those born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God, travel through life shoulder to shoulder with the sons and daughters of Adam, facing life's similar circumstances. The difference between the two camps is found in their approach to life circumstances and the outcome of that approach. A prime example is found on the deathbed. The sons and daughters of God approach the deathbed through faith in the promise of God's word. Jesus gives this beautiful promise in John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Revelation 21, 1 through 5 reveals another of God's promises. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. The born-again approached the deathbed with great and joyful expectation. The unbeliever, on the other hand, approached the deathbed with dread, fear, and uncertainty. The difference between the two camps is truly 180. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again as Jesus declares in John 3, 3? In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes for you today. Today, you will embark upon the most significant and magnificent journey a man, woman, boy, or girl can know. Today, you will be born a second time. You will be brand new. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. You will be free. Today, Everything becomes new. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. 
Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. God said, Luke twenty-two forty-four, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. God said, Luke 11, 1 through 4, And it came to pass, that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Man said, So what if I'm a fornicator, liar, and a cheat? God is supposedly a God of love, right? And he made me like this. I don't think his expectations are too high. If there is a God, I'll work it out with him on Judgment Day. It will be easy. Remember, God is love. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,159, that will once again certify the marvelous inerrancy of the beautiful, God-authored Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and his ammunition in the battle being waged for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you and your house with light and truth. I need to settle this issue in my heart. Is the God of the Bible the God above all gods? Everything depends on it. God told Abraham when he was nearly a hundred years old and when his wife Sarah was ninety that they were going to have a son. A father Abraham, Romans four nineteen through 21 declares, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham was fully persuaded. Joshua, the great leader of Israel, he settled it in his heart, Joshua 24, 14, and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When there is doubt, the mountain won't move. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. This undeniable proof series has already listed 355 proofs that God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11, 6. 
Five more certifications of God's Holy Bible follow. Undeniable proof number 356. The namesake of this website is derived from category number three of the four proof categories used to verify that the God of all is, that he authored the Bible, and that he will hold all accountable to it at a soon coming judgment day. Features in category number three highlight a biblical commandment, precept, or insight, then cites carnaldom's carnal position. The feature then brings attention to the glaring difference between following God's commandment, precept, or insight, and following the carnal herd. Example, God commands against the ingestion of anything that harms the body. 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 I know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. The statistics you will read are dated, and the situation has become dramatically worse, especially since Satan's global drive to legalize various forms of drug use and abuse. You'll get the idea, however. The 2007 headline from England's Daily Mail concerning the use of marijuana reads, Smoking just one cannabis joint raises danger of mental illness by 40%. The following excerpts are from that article. With up to 40% of teenagers and young adults in the UK believed to have tried cannabis, the researchers estimate that the drug could be behind 14% of cases of schizophrenia and other psychotic illnesses. Research completed by leading psychiatrist Professor Robin Murray in, 20, in 2005 showed that those who smoked the drug regularly at 18 were 1.6 times more likely to suffer serious psychiatric problems, including schizophrenia, by their mid-20s. For those who were regular users at 15, their stakes were even higher, with their risk of mental illness by the age of 26 being 4.5 times greater than normal, end quote. In the camp of the disobedient, if you carry the numbers forward globally, those negatively affected would be into the hundreds of millions, if not billions. In the camp of the obedient, those negatively affected, zero. Example, God strictly commands against homosexuality a crime punishable in the scriptures by death. Those shackled by this bondage must turn to Christ for forgiveness and deliverance. The ill effects of this disobedience are very long, very long. For example, the homosexual community is 5,000 times more likely to contract AIDS than their heterosexual brethren and the male homosexual's lifespan is 8 to 20 years shorter, with one body of research pegging life expectancy at 41 years. In the camp of the disobedient, using a global yardstick of 3% of the population being homosexual, those negatively affected come to 240 million. In the camp of the obedient, those negatively affected, zero. Example, God commands in Exodus 20:15, thou shalt not steal. In the camp of the disobedient, according to the National Insurance Crime Bureau, there were 1,001,967 motor vehicle thefts in America in 2022. 
in the camp of the obedient, those guilty of grand theft auto, zero. It's a cardinal law of God, and no one will escape it. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Undeniable proof, number 357. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. These words were penned approximately 3,000 years ago, a strange and peculiar grouping of words. Today's neuroscience is just beginning to understand its meaning. Renowned neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf in her new book, The Gift in You, writes concerning the mystery of the seven pillars. A few excerpts from Dr. Leaf's book follow. The implications are that wisdom and good judgment are built and take time to develop. Throughout the Word of God, we are instructed to get wisdom. It's not a choice. It's an instruction to build a house of wisdom in our minds. Scientifically, the brain is also built on seven pillars, which, when used properly, produce clear, intelligent, and wise thinking. These seven main areas of the brain were revealed through imaging techniques that observe activity in people's brains as they perform different tasks. We will discuss these seven pillars more, but it's important that God's Word and His wisdom are the strongest foundation. Brain science is very clear on the benefits of thinking deeply to develop the brain's intelligence and wisdom. As a popular phrase in the world of neuroscience puts it, use it or lose it. The more you think, the more your brain grows, making uh, you wiser and more intelligent. The development of your brain is under your own control. We are not victims of biology or environment. Our brains were designed with an ability to restructure and rewire to control our reactions to circumstances and events in our lives and to develop our wisdom. You perceive the world and the creative brilliance of your mind through seven types of thought. Dr. Leaf goes on to define the seven pillars. So the neurons in the front of the brain, the frontal cortex, that is the location of the intrapersonal pillar, deal with decision-making, planning, deep analyzing, shifting between thoughts, realizing goals, and developing strategies. When we are introspective, we are using this type of thought. Just behind the intrapersonal pillar is the inter interpersonal pillar, which is involved in social interaction, communications, turn-taking, and tuning into the needs of others. The intrapersonal pillar is followed by the linguistic pillar, which deals with spoken and written language. After the linguistic pillar is the logical-mathematical pillar, which deals with reasoning, logic, scientific thinking, numbers, and problem-solving. Next is the kinesthetic pillar that provides sensory and body awareness. Then comes the musical pillar, which of course is music-based, but also includes the ability to read between the lines and distinguish gut instincts. Finally, there is the visual-spatial pillar at the back of the brain, which is where we imagine and form mental maps. Your unique thinking pattern requires that you think by moving through the seven different pillars of the brain's thought in a particular order with a signature amount of bandwidth given to that function. When we start exploring the seven pillars of thought, an integral principle is that all seven of these pillars work together very, very intimately. They don't work separately, and they are all interconnected, end of quotes. 
wisdom, and her seven pillars. A strange and peculiar grouping of words confirmed by today's neuroscience. God's word is true and righteous altogether. Every jot and every tittle, it's a place to build a life that will last forever. Undeniable proof, 358. The skeptics constantly howl, but their cries for proof are just noise. They do very little to no investigation of their own, for had they done some investigating, their howls would cease. During the time of our Christ great trial, we find him during his final hours praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty two thirty nine through 44. And he came out and went, and as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat, as as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Sweating great drops of blood. Investigative reporter Lee Strobel interviews Alexander Metherell, M.D., Ph.D., about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in his book, The Case for Christ. Several excerpts follow. As you would expect from someone with a medical degree, University of Miami in Florida, and a doctorate in engineering, University of Bristol in England, Metherell speaks with scientific precision. He is board certified in diagnosis by the American Board of Radiology and has been a consultant to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the National Institutes of Health of Bethesda, Maryland. A former research scientist who has taught at the University of California, Metherell is editor of five scientific books, and he has written for publications ranging from aerospace medicine to Scientific American. His ingenious analysis of muscular contraction has been published in the Physiologist and Biophysics Journal. Initially, I wanted to elicit from Metherell a basic description of the events leading up to Jesus' death. So after time of social chat, I put down my iced tea and shifted in my chair to face him squarely. Could you paint a picture of what happened to Jesus, I asked. He cleared his throat. It began after the Last Supper, he said. Jesus went with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, specifically to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there, if you remember, he prayed all night. Now, during that process, he was anticipating the coming events of the next day. Since he knew the amount of suffering he was going to have to endure, he was quite naturally experiencing a great deal of psychological stress. I raised my hand to stop him. Whoa, here's where the skeptics have a field day, I told him. The Gospels tell us he began to sweat blood at this point. Now, come on, isn't that just a product of some overreactive imaginations? Doesn't that call into question the accuracy of the gospel writers? Unfazed, Metherell shook his head. Not at all, he replied. This is a known medical condition called hematidrosis. It's not very common, but it's associated with a high degree of psychological stress. End of quotes. Great drops of blood, of course. Undeniable proof, number 359. The power of prayer. Is it real? 
In God's Word, prayer is the focus over 500 times. The power of prayer can move mountains, and the science of quantum physics is beginning to see the light. Following, you'll find foundational information from the God Said, Man Said feature the power of prayer, along with some of the latest news. The sweet psalmist of Israel began his day in prayer, as all believers are well advised to do. Psalms chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. The prayer of faith is the solution to life's problems. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The power of prayer is bigger than man's knowledge. Faith-filled prayer saves the lost, heals the sick, casts out devils, delivers from all of Satan's bondages, and so much more. Science, in an ever-increasing way, is proving its long-held skepticism of prayer as the ignorance it was, and in fact has proven and continues to validate the supernatural power of prayer. According to an article titled, Emotional Wellness on WebMD.com, prayer has a plethora of proven health benefits, including a considerably longer life. And it reads, But prayer is more than just repetition and physiological responses, said Harold Koning, M.D., Associate Professor of Medicine and Psychiatry at Duke and a colleague of Krukov's. Traditional religious beliefs have a variety of effects on personal health, says Koning senior author of The Handbook of Religion and Health, a new release that documents nearly 1,200 studies done on the effects of prayer on health. These studies show that religious people tend to live healthier lives. They're less likely to smoke, to drink, to drink and drive, he says. In fact, people who pray tend to get sick less often, as a separate studies conducted at Duke, Dartmouth, and Yale University show some statistics from these studies. Hospitalized people who never attended church have an average stay of three times longer than people who attended regularly. Heart patients were 14 times more likely to die following surgery if they did not participate in a religion. Elderly people who never or rarely attended church had a stroke rate double that of people who attended regularly. In Israel, religious people had a 40% lower death rate from cardiovascular disease and cancer. A Woman's Day magazine article titled, Giving Thanks, it reads, Saying grace with your family at dinner takes no time at all, yet studies show adding spirituality to your home reduces your loved one's blood pressure by four points, enough to lower their lifetime risk of heart disease by 20%. And doctors say daily prayer can cut your risk of ever developing depression by 81%. No one's sure why, but kids who are plugged into their faith can have better health their entire lives, says pediatrician William Sears, M.D., author of the Family Nutrition Book. According to another Woman's Day article, prayer helps heal hearts. Duke University researchers have found that heart patients were profoundly impacted by prayer. More evidence that prayer can work health, work health miracles was reported by Duke University Medical Center recently. Researchers found 
that heart patients who were prayed for by different religious groups fared an amazing 50% to 100% better than patients who received no prayers during their hospital stays. They pray, the prayed-for patients experienced lower blood pressure and heart rate during their operations and suffered fewer serious complications and deaths afterward. Dr. L. Dosi, former chief of staff of Humana Medical City, Dallas, reviewed 130 scientific studies that had been conducted over a 30-year period. His conclusion, Dr. Dosi said, The evidence is overwhelming. Prayer does work. It's been proven to help people overcome everything from headaches to heart attacks. According to an article in Reader's Digest titled, Faith is Powerful Medicine, the vast majority of doctors believe spirituality is directly connected to health. Conferences on spirituality and health have been sponsored by Harvard Medical School and the Mayo Clinic. Nearly half of U.S. medical schools now offer courses on the topic. In a survey of 269 doctors at the 1996 meeting of the American Academy of Family Physicians, 99% said they thought religious beliefs could contribute to healing. When asked about their personal experiences, 63% of doctors said God intervened to improve their own medical conditions. Overwhelming evidence that prayer is the real thing continues to pour in. Over and over and over again, God's Word is certified, as you should expect, as the absolute perfect truth. God said, pray. The following excerpt is from the May 29, 2020 issue of the week under the heading, The Health Advantages of Prayer. All the people who've lately been praying more may be on to something, said Elizabeth Bernstein in the Wall Street Journal. Scientific studies of prayer are limited, but available research suggests that prayer provides similar benefits to meditations. It can calm your nervous system, shutting down your fight-or-flight response. It can make you less reactive to negative emotions and less angry. A person has to want to pray, and not out of anger, but prayer may, be, it may even have a slight edge over meditation. One 2005 study found that people who prayed 20 minutes a day experienced a greater reduction in anxiety and stress, a result of some researchers attribute to their feeling a sense of emotional support, of connection to community, and a higher power. Maybe people know that already. In March around the world, the number of Google searches for prayer skyrocketed, end of quote. Prayerful mental spiritual intentions change matter. Again, from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Power of Prayer. According to an article in Psychology Today titled, can prayer get you pregnant? Prayer will increase your chance of pregnancy exponentially. Excerpts follow. Two separate studies reveal a surprising correlation between prayer and conception on the one hand and longevity on the other. A team from Columbia University was amazed to discover that prayer appeared to double the chances of pregnancy in women undergoing in vitro fertilization treatments. Women who were prayed for had a 50% pregnancy rate compared with a 26% success rate among those of whom no one prayed. The study rules out the power of persuasion. Neither the women nor their doctors knew that people were praying on their behalf. In fact, the 199 women were in Che General Hospital in Seoul, Korea, thousands of miles from those praying for them in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. 
The results were so highly significant, they weren't even borderline, said Roger Lobo, Ph.D., chairman of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Columbia, Columbia's College of Physicians and Surgeons. We spent time deciding if it was even publishable because we couldn't explain it. They opted for a publication in the Journal of Reproductive Medicine to encourage others to investigate this phenomenon. Prayer might not only hasten life, but also stave off death, according to research from the University of California at Berkeley. A team there found that Christians and Jews who attended regular services lived longer and were less likely to die from circulatory, digestive, and respiratory diseases. The following excerpt is from an article titled, Does Prayer Really Work?, published in the magazine First for Women. Doctors at San Francisco General Hospital divided 393 coronary care unit patients into two groups. The first were prayed for by prayer groups unacquainted with the patients. The second group were not prayed for. Neither the doctors nor the patients knew which patients were getting the prayer therapy, and the prayer group never met the patients. They were given names and brief illness descriptions. They discovered that prayer, combined with the proper medical treatment, provided the added boost patients needed to recover. Specifically, they found that prayed-for groups were less likely to have a cardiac arrest, heart attack, were two and one-half times less likely to have congestive heart failure, were five times less likely to need antibiotics and suffered fewer complications. End of quote. Prayerful mental spiritual intentions can move mountains, but don't confuse that with mind over matter. When God's Word, mixed with our faith, is articulated as prayer, big, fourth-dimension motion is put into play. Prayer sits at the intersection of energy and matter, and it is not just mental intentions affecting things like gray matter or the placebo and nocebo effects or living 11% longer. No, it is so much unimaginably more, even to harnessing the power and favor of God the energy and life source of heaven and earth. Man and his mental intentions can actually change physical things in a small but scientifically measurable way. But when God multiplies that small beginning, the miraculous is the result. Man has been created to interface with the Spirit of God. Here lies life and life more abundantly, even eternally. Choose Jesus Christ and live. Luke 11, 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Undeniable proof number 360. Oh, how the critics clamor. Yet some of the world's greatest men and women of all time have bowed their knees to the glorious creator of all. Fathers in the fields of science, medicine, industry, and yes, even kings, presidents, and generals have all humbled themselves before their God. One of the most well-known scientists of the 20th century was Werner von Braun. A quote from von Braun lifted from the book The G.O.D. Experiments follows. 
I find it as difficult to understand a scientist who does not acknowledge the presence of a superior rationality behind the existence of the universe as it is to comprehend a theologian who would deny the advances of science. God's word is true and righteous altogether, the place to build a life that will last forever. If you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. Click on the further with Jesus. Settle the issue. Make your peace with God. Today will surely be the best day of your life. God said, 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. God said, Luke twenty-two forty-four, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. God said, Luke 11, 1 through 4, And it came to pass, that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Man said, So what if I'm a fornicator, liar, and a cheat? God is supposedly a God of love, right? And he made me like this. I don't think his expectations are too high. If there is a God, I'll work it out with him on Judgment Day. It will be easy. Remember, God is love. Now you have the record.